Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Super Sexy Podcast, where every other week we get together to speculate as to the sex lives of superheroes. It's locker room talk for nerds, geeks, fanboys, and any and all aficionados of pop culture. I'm your host, the eldest child of the Adam, Matthew J. Theriot. With me, as always, is Marvel's Mary Mutant, Mr. Andy Taylor. We are the Super Sexy Podcasters. How's it going, Andy? Good. How you doing? Not too bad. Hoping uh, this quarantine's going to be over soon. No, you're staying safe, I hope. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> Remember, I was going to make a joke about coronavirus not being a sexually transmitted disease, but you know what? <laughs> uh, it's contagious. <laughs> yeah. Today's topic is X-rated part one of, it's probably going to be, honestly, at this point, like five or six parts. You know, mm-hmm. we were thinking we could do this in just four parts, but already we've had to split it up. So, yeah, X-rated part one, where we're talking about all of the various uh, X-women. We're starting today with just the very first X-Men movie. Uh Next time, we're going to finish out the original trilogy. And then if we keep to the original pace, we're going to go into First Class Quadrilogy, mm-hmm. followed by all the spinoffs like Deadpool, The Gifted, and whatnot. And then finally, we're going to have one about just the comic book characters that we have never gotten to like in the film before. So there's a lot to cover. There are so many mutant hotties out there. So... I think we should just jump right into it, start talking about uh, the ex-women and their love interests across all media. Sound good, Andy? Sounds good. Oh, by the way, did you get that video I sent you for the, the voice actress for who did Rogue? I got it. I have not had a chance to look at it yet. Okay, it, 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 it was quite shocking. It's when you finally see the face attached to the voice that you've been associating to the cartoon all this life, or your whole life, and then suddenly like, you see that person, you're like, what? I'm not sure I want to. I, I hate when that happens, when I have <laughs> my own mental image or just no image at all, and then all of a sudden that's forced into my like cognition. Yeah, yeah. That's why all it's right. like I, I have that issue with uh, um, uh, Professor X, because he, had, he didn't have that English accent, but now I can't sort of disassociate any of them. You know, they're, they're all Professor X to me. Yeah, no, I, I do think that the 90s voice actor did such a good job, like so defining there. Yeah. All right, let's uh, All right. let's jump into it with Anna Marie LeBeau, aka Rogue, unquestionably the greatest superheroine in the history of comics because of two essential ingredients. First and foremost is her status as a sultry-speaking Southern belle, the sexiest of accents, perfected by the Rogue voice actors you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Secondly. There's the paradox of her powers. She could have any and every superpower, but the trade-off comes from the fact that she can't ever touch another living being and therefore can't ever become intimate with anyone. Basically, social distancing taken to 11. The latter only makes her more desirable, a forbidden fruit that's all the more fragrant because you can't have it. But it also makes Rogue more sex-positive personality-wise. Likewise, because it's the one thing she can't have. The former makes her interesting because she's a Swiss army knife for the writers to utilize, playing with more powers than Superman without ever being overpowered. The most notable power set she stole was that of Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, 
gain her flat strength and invulnerability. While in the comics, Rogue absorbed Carol's powers through a purely platonic touch, if Kevin Feige taps me to write the script for Captain Marvel 2, in which Rogue is rumored to play a villain, I'm definitely having the two of them les out for a bit. <laughs> Rogue's most notable on-again, off-again love interest is the coolest Cajun in comics, Remy LeBeau, a.k.a. Gambit, to whom she recently got married presumably consummating it with an extra-thick comic, <laughs> unlike the ultra-thins and bare-skinned Trojans I prefer. I'm guessing they mostly keep to over-the-pants stuff most nights. Really, their domestic lives are probably a much more attractive version of Everybody Loves Raymond, with Raimi constantly begging his wife for sex and constantly getting shot down. Gaiman's got to be the world's most handsome incel. <laughs> Rogue's first kiss was with a boy named Cody Robbins, with their pubescent puckering resulting in her mutation manifesting, placing him in a permanent coma. She was also involved with Magneto for a time. Nito. In the films, she's portrayed by Anna Paquin and shares mutual attraction with Bobby Drake, a.k.a. Iceman, though he wisely trades up for Ellen Page's Kitty Pride who circa that era was the better choice, irrespective of Rogue's mutation. Conversely, Rogue's got a bit of an electric complex for Wolverine, and why he fails to act on that instead of getting hum hung up on Tom Kate Jansen's Jean Grey is beyond me. Just my thoughts there. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I don't know. I, I would just wear a, a, a full-body suit around her and just... Put a condom in. Oh man, just fuck for hours. You know. I mean, as far as I know, it's like as long as you don't touch her skin, you're fine. Yeah, but you know how it is. Like you think, okay, that's gonna be satisfying. Then like you always want to push it just a little bit further, a little bit further, and oh, like you know, like oh, let's don't use a condom, just the tip, stuff like that. You're just in the heat of the moment, and you go to, like kiss her, or you go to like take the shirt off because like that's just. You know, the moves you're used to. Like, I, I would imagine as hot as she is and as satisfying to the ego as being with her would be, there would be a sexual frustration in not really consummating it to the fullest degree. What do you mean, like like a Mormon style where, where you wear the pajamas and have sex? Wow. I suddenly want to convert to Mormonism much less, you know, even despite all the polygamy now. <laughs> all right, let's uh, move on. Move on. Okay, so the next one is Aurora Monroe, a.k.a. Storm. Despite a far longer fling with Forge and a more recent romantic pairing with Wolverine, Storm's love life will, will likely be always defined by her marriage to King T'Challa of Wakanda, a.k.a. the Black Panther. T'Challa was Aurora's first, deflowering and defiling the alleged goddess when she was only 12 years old. Around yeah, there's, uh, a little bit, uh, there's a few of that in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Around the time of the first Civil War, during uh, the superhero Civil War, Aurora wed T'Challa, becoming Queen of Wakanda. Wakanda However, forever. Wakanda forever. However, during the events of, the, uh, of Avengers versus X-Men, Black Panther sided with the former and Storm with the latter, with the inevitable fallout being that, despite still loving one, one another, T'Challa annulled the marriage. 
During the incursions, when T'Challa believed the world would end in under eight hours, he spent what he thought would be his last moments visiting his ex-wife, telling her she would always be a queen. She was portrayed by Halle Berry in the films, in which she has no romantic pairings, though we anticipate that that will change in the MCU, where she'll inevitably debut in the next Black Panther. Which I am very excited for. One, because Storm, and two, because another awesome mutant. The world's first mutant, in fact, Namor. I heard something about that. They're, they're going to be bringing Namor into Black Panther 2. Yeah, as one of the main villains of the movie. Vi- oh, he's going to be a villain. That's, well, well, yeah, they hate each other a lot. Wakanda and Atlantis like, are enemy nations. So you could think of him as like a, um, like a not a reluctant villain, but like a, he, he's the villain in T'Challa's head. Exactly, and the hero in his own, and the child's the villain. uh, Exactly. Because, I mean, Namor is only looking out for his oceans. He's only looking out for his people, you know? He's not... likewise with uh, T'Challa. T'Challa, yeah. Yeah. So I I, I, I see it like that being sort of like um, they're both, I don't know, I'm not going to say anti-heroes or anti-villains, but um, he's probably a misunderstood character in that movie. They're both kings that put themselves above, you know, normal men, and they both have that arrogance to them. That's the mm. problem. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Jean Grey Summers, a.k.a. Marvel Girl, a.k.a. Phoenix, a.k.a. Dark Phoenix, a.k.a. Red. Everyone loves Jean Grey. She probably even beats out Mary Jane Watson for the most popular redhead in comics, at least among non-stoners. Yeah. We already discussed her many non-relationships with Wolverine on the last podcast. But before he even entered the picture, she had every single member of the original team hitting on her. We're talking Scott Summers, Bobby Drake, Warren Worthington III, Henry McCoy, and another. When I say every member, that includes their paraplegic professor, Charles Xavier, as we learn in one thought balloon way back in the Stanley era, with him thinking of her as, quote, the one I love, unquote. She was in her late teens at the time, but Xavier had met her when she was 11 or so, and we're not really told when his attraction to her first started. But we're pretty sure Chuck is thankful that there's no equally powerful telepath on Earth except for Jean herself, who eventually does pick up on that stray thought of his. <laughs> Xavier never pursues a relationship with Jean, not because of the age difference, or the fact that he's her professor, and such could lead to the appearance or actuality of academic favoritism, thereby calling it to question the fairness of his grading. That being the only reason professors don't date their students. <laughs> Rather, it's because he's confined to a wheelchair, which means nothing below the waist functions properly. Of course, being telepathic, he could have consummated an affair with Jean purely telepathically, a la Emma Frost and Scott Summers, but for some reason, this never occurs to him. Speaking of Scott, for some reason, this guy, with only two settings, total square and radical terrorist, is the man Jean decides to be with over other options like multimillionaire Warren Worthington III. Gene and Scott have multiple children together across various timelines. Rachel Summers, a.k.a. Phoenix, 
is the daughter of Scott and Jean from the Days of Future Past timeline. Nate Gray, aka X-Man, is the product of Mr. Sinister genetically combining their DNA in the Age of Apocalypse timeline. Nathaniel Summers, aka Cable, is the son of Scott and Madeline Pryor, a clone of Jean Grey's, who himself has a clone named Strath. Now, Scott, Jean, Logan, and Emma are all currently engaged in a menage a trois, all and all live together alongside Cable and Rachel on the moon. Literally. <laughs> that, that's not code for butt stuff. They, they all live in a big, weird mansion together on the moon. Oh, God. I get... Uh, it, it just seems so... Like, now that I think about it, like, Professor X could have gotten away with some serious, crazy shit. You know? And who knows? He might have. We might have just erased our memories too. Yeah, like, like if he's at the, if he's in the in uh, his mansion, and he's like, you know, he 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 probably convinces everybody that he's paralyzed, and so they're like, oh yeah, no, he's not going to do anything. And then secretly, he's like, he's tricking their minds. And as soon as he comes into the room, they're like, oh, how can I pleasure you today? You know? And then he just stands up from his chair, walks over to her, and he's totally mind controlling her. Got her into exactly what he wants. He does his thing, and then he leaves, gets back in his chair, and she falls back asleep. Well, in The Boys, their parody of Charles Xavier basically does exactly that. Like, he, he just isn't telepathic, he's a mind controlling, but he is basically using his uh, institute just to recruit very, very young kids, you know, that is sexually molesting every one of them. I'm going to love the Catholic Oh, the uh, boy! Yeah, that's probably gonna be on the boys season two or three. Oh, I hope so. Oh, you just like made my day because it's like that would have been like fucking hilarious to watch. Yeah, because it doesn't come up until like the third or fourth arc in the comics, and as you know, like those eight episodes of the boys only cover like four issues or so. So there is so yeah. much more to go there. Oh yeah, I've heard they hit they they have to eat up the amount of episodes, and they have to like. Uh, give the give the actors more money and uh, give them show more money. Just do it and make the make it more episodes because you have to include more stuff. Oh, absolutely, because that is one of the best shows of last year. Oh, but I honestly I wasn't going to watch it until I I watched the first five minutes and as soon as she steps off the curb, I was like, I'm stuck in the show. Right, I'm going to watch this. Holy shit! And and apparently from what you were saying, I think you told me this before. The book is more graphic, much more. Yeah. Like when, when he when 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 she gets hit, they only show this one side of it happening. But in the book, it's like way more, you know, intense. Oh, absolutely, yeah, more visceral with actual viscera. Yeah. All right. Uh, Want to move on? Yeah. Okay, so the next is Raven Darkholm, aka Mystique. With the powers to assume the form of any individual, Mystique certainly has one of the most useful mutations of any potential paramour. She could look like any of the women on this list, sans any downsides like Rogue's deadly touch or Jean Grey's committed relationships. Her list of lovers is almost as extensive as her mimicking abilities. Mystique's been sexually involved with Azizel, resulting in her child, Kurt Wagner, who got his mother's dark skin and his father's demonic appearance. She's hooked up with Sabretooth, Wolverine, his son, Dakin. Uh, so you know she likes it doggy style. Uh, she's married Professor X at one point. 
she's uh, in the films. She's sexually assaults Logan and pursued uh, is pursued by the Beast and is paired with Magneto. However, the love interest who was always intended for Mystique since her debut is finally being acknowledged. Destiny, the quote-unquote friend who lived with her and helped her raise Rogue. Apparently, just like the two female quote-unquote friends that lived together across the street from me when I was growing up, it took me way too long to put two and two together. As in, I just figured that out in my 30s looking back on things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I was a senior in high school and did not realize what was going on. But that's how it is sometimes. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Man want to be him. We're going to be talking about uh, two of the guys from the original X-Men movie and which actor would you more want to look like? Hugh Jackman as Wolverine circa this movie, or would you rather look like James Marsden as Cyclops? Again, circa the same top period. Okay, well, the picture you're probably looking at for Hugh Jackman is taken from his movie Wolverine, which means when he, if you actually look back at his first movie, that the first X-Men, he wasn't jacked at all. Oh, yeah, he had no definition to him. No, he, so, in fact... He's looking like was... I am after this uh, virus shut down my gym. <laughs> exactly, you know? It's like... He, he, he didn't have it. So it's like, it makes me wonder if James Marsden was more built than he was at the time. But James Marsden covered his whole body up, so you couldn't really see anything. That is true. I got to say that. It, and Hugh Jackman, even though he wasn't that built at the time, he was still willing to like go shirtless. You got to mm-hmm. give him respect there. But honestly, I think Marsden just has like the more chiseled jawline, you know, like, He's just got like that better five o'clock shadow. Well, he's got better hair. And I know Hugh Jackman has to have that crazy hair because of the character of Wolverine. But I think if you just look at the two actors, like on a red carpet somewhere, Marsden's going to have the thicker head of hair as it is. Yeah. I mean, he's like a, a like a Rob Lowe. You know, he's like he, he's just that he's a good looking guy. I guess. Exactly. Because he has that uh, very wide jaw in the back like Rob Lowe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I can see his uh, his jaw and his his. He's got a good chin, mm-hmm. good mouth. I mean, he looks like a leader. He looks yeah. like somebody who would just lead. You know, Wolverine. On the other hand, that guy does everything his own. He's a lone wolf. Which I get the personality. Obviously, Wolverine has a much better personality than Cyclops. But we're talking about just the way the actors look. And if I had to see one of those two men in the mirror looking back at me, I'm going James Mars. Mm. You know, right. I would I would have James Marsden's face, Hugh Jackman's body. Obviously. I think <laughs> All right. We've renamed one of our segments because it was a little too confusing having two different segments, both called the casting couch. So we've renamed this section, Oh My Starlets and Garters. And, and you know where that comes from, right? Uh... N- no, sorry. <laughs> oh, my stars and garters is what Beast would always exclaim uh, throughout the 90s television show. That was sort of like him saying, Great Caesar's ghost. You know, uh, the thing that it, Superman yeah. used to always say. It's it's probably one of those subtle things that, like, people pick up on. Like, I never noticed how, like, even when I watched, say, Star Trek, I never noticed the way in which uh, uh, Commander Riker would sit down and then suddenly people are making videos of him just sitting down all the time and he's doing it the same way, lifting the or lifting his leg up and sitting right over the chair, like stepping over it rather than like 
sitting down like like normal people do. I can't say I ever noticed. It's one of those things. Like if people watch it enough times, you start to notice the subtle things, and the next thing you know, you you're out there going like, "Oh my starlets and garters." <laughs> All right. So in this segment, we're asking, "Who's the most attractive ex woman in the original movie?" So I'm going to give you some options. You got Anna Paquin as Rogue, Bob K. Jansen as Jean Grey, Halle Berry as Storm, or Rebecca Romaine. I guess not Rebecca Romaine Stamos at the time. I guess they were divorced as Mystique. I want to say Jean Grey. Real? Oh, my God. That, that is shocking. And then maybe, uh, I mean, it's, it's really, it's Halle Berry and Rogue are out. But it's, it's between Why is Rogue and Romaine. I don't know. I mean, it's just... Okay, I take it Rebecca Romaine is out only because of the full blue body paint, right? Yeah, if you were to actually take that off, she is stunning. Which, okay, let's talk about how she looks in the second movie. Because originally this episode was supposed to be uh, the first, like, whole trilogy. So we know she appears as Rebecca Romaine Stamos minus the blue skin suit in the second movie. Does that put her up on the list at all? Yeah, that then she would be above... Um... Uh, For me, I know that puts her obviously above Fomke Jansen and Halle Berry is just like at the bottom of the list here. I'm not sure where Rogue goes, if she goes at the top of the list or if she's below Rebecca Romaine. Because Rebecca Romaine, she is a blonde supermodel, but Anna Paquin, she is, uh, she's cute, especially when she was a little bit younger. But actually, she aged really well, Anna Paquin, like circa True Blood, you know, she mm. is... Got that Southern Belle thing going on and those ruby red lips. And she matured into her sexuality in a way that, say, Ellen Page just reversed. Like, Ellen Page, she started at the top, you know, when she's X3. And it was all downhill from there. And you look at her now, like, oh. Yeah, it's okay that you're only with women. Hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that about, like, she, like, even, like, the, uh, what that video game she did where she, like, she... Uh, she used her body as like a template and then they came out with it like a it was beyond two souls yes and, and the developers uh even though it was not ever going to come up in the game they added to the file like nipples on her breasts and whatnot and that caused a lot of controversy well because the thing is, is you couldn't actually see uh if you actually watch that scene that showering scene she you didn't see the uh, other parts of her body it was always like a forced camera angle in in such a way where you didn't see anything but, but then if some... you break the game you could yes. see the camera angle yep exactly and that was the thing they broke the camera angle and then recorded the entire thing and she had they made her like a fully figured body like yep yeah it was it was fucking yeah also made that model in honey select <laughs> Oh, great game. It's like The Sims, but for people like us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So, yeah, I think that uh, you could go either way with Anna Paquin or Rebecca Romain at top. I, I think Halle Berry is definitely the bottom. And, yeah, it's variable, that list. Let's move on to the casting couch. All right, Andy, what actress would you cast to play Rogue in Captain Marvel 2? Okay, so I, I did a little research on this, you know, uh, I googled it, you know, who could play Rogue, and I went through all the actors, because a lot of people have already done this. Um, I was oh, actually, really? Uh, I, I was actually going to put a, uh, well, I didn't put a porn star, but I, I should have, but uh, I didn't. So when I googled, you know, who should play Rogue, um, and 
And there's just a whole bunch of names came up. And I was like, oh, hey, she actually looks pretty attractive. And so uh, I'm going to choose this woman named Madison Laughlin. Okay. When I first saw that, I thought maybe you were talking about Lori Laughlin's daughter. Uh, who is she? She's a, probably a new actress. I don't really see much of her, you know? So that actually kind of... She's even an actress, necessarily. Uh, I just know, like, she was going to uh, university, but... There, there was some. Oh, Olivia Jade. I guess it's not Laughlin. It's just Olivia Jade. Truly, uh, Olivia Jade Giannulli. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would have picked her over who you picked actually for Rogue. <laughs> oh, she's uh, she plays Evelyn Sharp in Arrow. Are you talking about the one you picked? But the one I I, I picked, uh, Madison Laughlin. Oh, okay, yeah, Olivia Jade is just a uh, influencer, not an actress. Still hot though. Yeah, no. So, uh, Madison Laughlin is from Arrow. Yeah, she plays Evelyn Sharp. All right. Or Artemis, I guess. Oh, she's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Artemis. She's been in Chicago PD, um, Code Black, a bunch of TV shows. It's Teen Wolf, Supernatural, Modern Family. So she's a TV actress, but she's got a look, you know, and I think she's pretty good. I, I, I would definitely have to see her with the watch streak in her hair. Mm, oh yeah, and get rid of that fucking mole below her eye. Yeah, no, that's kind of a deal breaker as far as putting her like on screen, like as the actress. Mm. All, all right, uh, so you know who I'm thinking? I did pick a porn star this time, and I might have even picked this porn star before. She's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> one named Tessa Fowler, and she's kind of. A little bit of a redhead like in certain shots but she's also kind of a brunette and like I, I think if you just you're gonna have to dye the hair anyway make her you know with the white streak so why not why not just make her like a full brunette give her the white streak she's got a great body as you can see like mm-hmm. she is well figured uh yeah you stuff her into like you know one of rogue's body suits like yeah, she is going to wear you, that well. <laughs> can can you actually stuff her in there? I mean, because I'm looking at that and like those things look like they get stuffed into shirts. My yeah, God, I know. <laughs> what are those? She's well endowed. Oh, at least, <laughs> at least they're like X's. <laughs> uh, um, not seriously, but like as an X woman. Oh, she see she is everything that would be right about the way we would cast. Versus everything wrong with the way Kevin Feige cast the MCU. And really all superheroines uh, in modern movies these days. Like, they are all, you know, way too flat. Like, you look at uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. Yeah. Like, who she's supposed to be in, who she's supposed to be in the comics, according to the artist, versus what she looks like in the movie. Like, she is frumpy in the movie. Like, Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's he he does well. I don't know if he it's so much him that does the casting as it is the casting director that does. The oh, I, I know. I, I'm just I usually blame everything uh, in the MCU on Kevin Foggy. He does a lot of things right. Captain oh, I America. Agree, yes. Like I think Chris Evans is still the best Captain America and will always be the best Captain America. He was a surprisingly good choice for the role. It's like, I don't know, some reason it's like some of these characters, 
they fit the roles so well. Like, it's almost as if they were born to play these roles. More so than Johnny Storm. You got to give him that. That's (laughs) true. He was not the best Johnny Storm. All right. So what actress would you cast to play Storm in Black Panther 2? Okay. Again here, I didn't choose a porn star. But uh, the one I chose is uh, her name's Sinequa Martin-Green. She plays – she's played on uh, The Walking Dead. And um, she's currently the main character, um, Michael, on um, uh, Star Trek Discovery. Truly, you mean Michelle? No, Mike? no. But my, her, the, he act, she has a boy's name in that. There's a feminine form of the name Michael. Michelle. I, why, why would you masculinize he, the name? She, she was, uh, her, I think, Michael Byrne. And she was adopted by Vulcans. And uh, they left, and I guess one of the names that was stuck to it to her or something was was that name, and they just kept it going. They didn't actually like they didn't under I guess I don't know if they understood or not, but yeah, from what I understood, she was raised entirely by oh she's uh, she was raised by Spock's family. Spock's uh, all family. right, before we spoil too much for this three, is it worth watching now that it's free until like May because of the quarantine? Uh, I never got into Discovery. All right, what about uh, Picard? Could I be I watching did. Picard? I, honestly, I think the, the the seventh episode and the tenth episode were the best. Um, it was really good. People will, like, nitpick it, but if you actually go back and watch the original episodes, everything they're doing is actually pretty legit. It's already been shown before. So, and it, it honestly, the, la- the last episode, I did cry. I can wow. honestly say that. I I, I've never... I've never had that feeling in a movie or in a show, you know, not even when like Commander Data died at the end of Nemesis. I didn't cry. I didn't feel anything. I was just more of upset like you motherfuckers. Huh. You know? All right. I, maybe I'll uh, give each pilot a try like while it's free. But uh, yeah, when it comes to me, if I'm uh, casting someone for Storm and I never say this, my first choice would be to go back to the old X-Men movies and just bring Alexandra Ship, who was in Apocalypse, right into the MCU. She would be basically one of the only ones that I would keep casting-wise, if not just the only one. I think she is perfect, perfect casting for that character. Gun to my head, I had to pick someone new. Even though she's a little old for the role now, uh, I'd probably go Gugu Mbatha-Raw who you probably know best from that one episode of Black Mirror uh, where she's lezzing out with the redhead. Actually, I've never watched Sam- Black Mirror. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully that didn't spoil it too much for you, but uh, a lot of people say that's like one of the best episodes of the series. You're Sam- only making me want to see it more. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty hot. So yeah, it would be between those two for me. We'll, we'll see who gets casted. Okay. Which brings us to our final segment, So I'm at the Bar, in which I always recount a story from my past, and they always begin. So I'm at the Bar. And I'm on a date with uh, this girl who I think she's like just turned 21 or whatnot. She, she was quite a few years younger than me at the time, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And I get there, and she kind of looks like her pictures, but not really, not enough, and I'm just not feeling it. Like, even though she's young, she, she 
just not doing it for me. And I, I buy her like three drinks, you know, because I'm polite. I, I'm not going to like lemon law her necessarily. So, you know, I figure, okay, we stick to this like one bar and, you know, it's just one date. And then I go on with the rest of my life. And she's like, hey, you know what? How about we go to another bar? Uh, you know what? And I'll buy. And normally, I never let a woman buy me drinks. But I'm like, you know what? I, I can at least recuperate my money, more or less. You know, I was going to buy myself more drinks anyway. So I, I let her take me to a different bar. And we have a few more drinks. And because we're doing all this drinking, she needs to get up and use the facilities. And while she is up and in the bathroom, the waitress comes running up to me. She's like, cowboy, there is a woman at the bar that thinks you're cute, that wants your phone number. Do you have a business card I can give to her? I take out my wallet. I pull out my business card, the one with me riding a mechanical bull that says save a horse dot, dot, dot on it. Give it to the waitress. I have no idea who is even asking for my number. Not a clue. So my date comes back. I walk her back to her car. And I start walking down to uh, the college and the town. I'm going to go sing some karaoke, uh, see if I can't meet someone, you know, a little bit better that night. And as I'm walking to this bar called the Golden Rail, I get a call on my cell phone. I answer it, and sure enough, it's this girl from... Uh, the bar, the one, again, who I didn't see what she looks like. Uh, and she's like, hey, I would love to, like, meet you, buy a drink. Uh, I'm at this bar called the Golden Rail. I'm like, you know what? I was already walking there right now. I will see you in five minutes. I get there. Turns out she's not too bad looking. A lot better looking than my date was. So hmm. we start drinking. We start making out. <laughs> and we actually start going out for a little while. Uh she uh she was like three years older than me, which I mean that, and she was uh actually pretty well off. She was uh, a sugar mama. That's what I remember her as. She one time took me on a date to go see Queen. Like she bought the concert tickets and everything. This was all a surprise. I had no idea we were going that night. Mm -hmm. So best concert I ever went to. But before we saw Queen, she took me out for dinner. Again, all on her dime because she was the sugar mama. She was the breadwinner in the <laughs> week, few week long relationship. And she's like, get anything you want. So I go to order a steak and she's like, you know, you could get two. I got two steaks for dinner that night. So we, we had some fun times on her dime. I'll, I'll give her that much. So uh, it didn't last too much longer after that. But uh, yeah, that was the time I got picked up at a bar while on a date. So it's awesome. Good times. Good times. Well, that is all for this week's episode of the Super Sexy Podcast. Feel free to email us at the address supersexypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via the handle at supersexypod or on the Super Sexy Podcast Facebook page. See y'all. Bye.